You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. A crazy day, crazy weekend. Um, it was with our youth at the youth convention uh, this week um, in Burlington with about a thousand young people. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a great time, had a great time, but uh, I'm old. <laughs> I, I'm not just realizing it, but it confirmed it. I am old. Because I was like, got any earplugs? And they're like, no, we don't have earplugs here. It's like, oh. And it's like, there's a lot of smoke in here, and they're like, yeah, the kids like that, it's fun, you know, it's like, you know, light show and stuff. I was like, it's, a, it's, I'm old, I'm old, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great time, our kids had a great time, and they were there. So anyway, it's good to be back. I was in Dallas last week at a conference, had a great time in the, uh, in the south. Uh, it's a different world down there, for any of you who know Texas. Ah, uh, wow, different, just different. Different. So anyway, had a great time though. It was a great experience, and now back here, and uh, and good to be back. Last week, Shana was here preaching. If you had a chance to hear, great message. Um, and she talked that there are times where life has demands on us, and uh, we do our best. We good here? Yeah. Now I can talk again. I'm free. I'm free. So anyway, uh, Shana talked about other times life demands things of us, like talking, you know, without your without withholding mic, and it's like, man, I don't have it. Uh, but times where life demands things of you, and you just don't got it on your own, right? That you don't got it, but that with the power of the Holy Spirit, okay, that's how we do anything about it. That literally, we can't do anything in our own strength. Nothing that will last. We can do things in our own power, but nothing that will last. Um, and she read this passage in Isaiah, and it reminds us who we are and who God is. And so I'm going to reread that again for you, because uh, it's part of our series. And it starts with this. It's Isaiah chapter 40. It'll be on the screen. If you'd like to read along, you can feel free to do that. We're going to pick it up in verse 6. And it's starting with us telling us who we are, telling us who you are, okay? Verse 6 says this. A voice said, shout. And I asked, well, what should I shout? Uh, shout that people are like grass. It's weird. Uh, their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in the field. Now I'm, now I'm getting, there you go. The, the grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people. We are grass. Everybody just say, I am grass. <laughs> you are grass. I don't think I've ever heard anyone call grass powerful. Anybody been like, man, that's some powerful grass. Like, look at that such strong grass. Um, my grass didn't make it through June. Anybody else? You know, I mean, I don't, I don't pay for watering, so like, I don't like water my grass. Um, it dies after, you know, my grass dies after the kids have to slip and slide on it for like three hours. Anybody, you know, like you just, and it's like months. Like I do not have powerful grass. And God tells the prophet to shout this, you people are grass. I mean, you can't make some of this stuff up in the Bible. It's not like, like if people think they're making this up to make it sound spiritual, like that's just... In case you were feeling strong today, and especially proud of yourself, just remember, you're grass. You're grass. You ever want to put somebody in their place, be like, hey, you're grass too. And now, now listen, some of you are like Kentucky bluegrass. Greg's got his Kentucky shirt on. Yeah, there you go, Kentucky. And some of you are Mercer County crabgrass. Right? I, I'm, I'm no judging. We're not judging. Um, but no matter how royal or regal your grass is, you're not making it through the winter. Not here. You're not going to make it through the winter. Our glory, however grand it may be, is momentary, and it's fleeting. God says, I just want to remind you who you are, your grass. But now, 
On the other hand, let's talk about God. And in uh, verse 12, you can skip down a little bit. Uh, this is where we start to talk about who God is. He says, who else has held the oceans in his hand? Have ever held the ocean? Not, not just a little piece of it, but like held the entire ocean in his hand. Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and the hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? You ever tell God something he didn't know? You know, hey, as somebody once said, you know, um, nothing has ever occurred to God. Oh, right? No, that's never happened. Um, has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No. For all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. Skip down to verse 22. God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. That makes a tent out of heaven. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root when he blows on them and they wither. The wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created those stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. You know, God knows the names of stars. I thought, like, I have a star named after me. I don't know if you know it. If you go to, like, the official record. Anybody else? You paid for that, like, online? It's, like, 20 bucks and you get a star named after you. I think it's, like, bogus. Like, who knows? But God knows that. He knows now that star is my name. It's like, that's, oh, that's Dan, right? Um, because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Your grass, and that's God. Just in case we forget, your grass and when you put it like that, I mean, I guess God's pretty impressive. That's not a bad resume. Uh, better than grass, that's for sure. Like, he's, he's got a little bit more going on than there. Um, he knows the stars by name. He's never needed advice on anything. And that's really important to remember because what happens next is that God's going to make a promise. He says, okay, remember your grass. This is who I am. Now keep that in mind as I'm about to make a promise to you. Remember who's making the promise to you. Because remember, if you remember promises are where our hope comes from. Our hope is created because somebody made a promise to us. We're hoping that the person who made the promise is going to fulfill it. So it's something that hasn't happened yet, but they said it would. So if they promise, I have hope that it will happen, and my hope is only as strong as the promise maker. And God says, hey, this is me. I'm making you a promise, and here's what he promises. Skip down to verse 29, and he says this. He gives power to the weak, and strength to the powerless. Even youths, youths, will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. God is going to give us all new strength, no matter how young or old you are. He said, I will give you New strength. How many could use new strength? Anybody? Like if it was in a pill, you'd take it, right? Right now, like, got some of that new strength stuff? Yeah. Um, like, better than Red Bull? Better than, no, I mean, there was somebody today was at the, somebody with us, I won't say who, had like four or five Red Bulls. And I was like, I don't think that's good for your heart. Um, that's a lot. 
That's a lot. God says, no, I give you new strength, and it's better than that. Right? And he even says some for the young folk, which isn't fair because they don't need it. They got plenty. They got plenty of it. And he just says this is conditional. It's a promise. It's a very conditional promise. Very simple. If you trust me, I will give you new strength. If you trust me, you get new strength. That's it. All right? And new strength means strength you didn't have before. It's not leftover strength from somebody else. It's, it's brand new, never been used before. It's a fresh supply of strength you have never even tapped into. God says, I will give you an extra portion of strength. And then Isaiah provides three circumstances where that strength comes into play in our life. He says, soaring, running, walking. I'm going to give you new strength, and here's where that new strength comes into play. When you soar on wings like eagles. When you run, you won't grow weary. When you walk, you won't faint. Now, soaring refers to those times where we find ourselves in the heights of life. Right? Think, think high. You're thinking high. You're thinking big, right? Like, like an eagle flying high. These are those life-defining moments, those times when what we do will alter our future. Think about those moments that are like those life-changing moments. That's when you need to soar. That's when you need to rise to the occasion, right? We've got language for this. There are those moments that are life-defining. He says, when those moments come, you will soar. And then running it re represents the work we do daily. It's your vocation. It's your work, right? That the undertaking of your life that consumes so much of your life, those are the times that demand our effort, our constant effort, right? Running is something that you don't just do naturally. You don't just naturally run. You have to choose to run, right? We can walk, right? But running, it, I, my muscles I have to engage it. I've got to try. I've got to exert effort. That's what we do when we work. Work requires effort. It's extra. I have to try to work. I don't just naturally like wake up and oh, I'm going to work. I'm just, I just work. I can't help it. I just work. No, yeah, I, I can lay there. That's good. I can do that. No problem. But to run, I have to try. And he says, when you do that, you'll get new strength for that. And then he says, and for walking, that's the everyday, the ordinary times of life, those sort of in-betweens. That's just the, the normal, everything else, everything else. That's just constantly what you do. You can't help it. You're living, you're walking. It's what you do all the time. It says, when you walk, not necessarily on the clock, but the stuff that makes up the rest of life, it says, I will give you new strength even for that. And what I'd really like to focus on today is just the soaring. We're going to start there. We're going to start there. The soaring. Those defining moments, the moments that demand our best. We don't get second chances for defining moments. What I want to focus on today, and you have to bear with me because I'm only one-handed, so I will do my best. Um, we don't get second chances for defining moments. Think for a moment to some of the defining moments of your life. What were they? Think back. Um, perhaps it was an opportunity that presented itself to you. Was there ever a time where an opportunity presented, maybe a, a job um, uh, presented itself to you? Like, some, like here's an opportunity or you know, a move that you had to make or an introduction to somebody. You're like, you know, oh, oh there's an opportunity. I got a window here, right? Like, uh, okay, there's this opportunity. Um, should you take the promotion? Big moment, you know, should I, is it time to sell? Is it, right, um, head and shoulders, anybody remember the commercial? Never get a second chance to make a first impression. There you go, you remember that? Like, hey, listen, they're walking in, like, you gotta make the most of this. You gotta, that's an old commercial, so if you remember that, yeah, you're probably over 30, over maybe, maybe 40. I don't know, that was a long time ago, yeah, I don't know. Um, that's a long time, I don't, I don't age myself, yeah, 30. There you go, at least 15. Um, or maybe it was a crisis, 
right? A loss, something entirely unforeseen. It was a defining moment in your life. Will that be something that breaks you? That overcomes you, that stops you from going on, that pushes you away from God? It will be something that shapes you and, and changes you, perhaps even redirects you and draws you closer to Jesus. What happened in that time of your loss? Think back to those defining moments, opportunities, or losses, or maybe it was an obstacle, a challenge that you faced. Something that happened in your life and you're like, I'm encountering, oh, this is a moment. This is a really big deal. This is the hardest thing I've yet to face in my life. A moment, maybe, maybe it was a moment of temptation. Will you give in? Or will you conquer that? Maybe it was an argument. And you're like, man, this is an argument. And my pride wants to stubbornly hold fast and just unwrap but you know that if you hold that, it's going to alter your relationship forever. Or, I'm going to humble myself and make it right. What will you do in the moment? You know this is a defining moment in your relationship. Or maybe it's an addiction that threatens to overtake you. And you'll, you'll, will you admit that you, need, that you need help and seek it? Or are you going to stubbornly say, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to not tell anybody. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to hold on to this and you're going to suffer. And continue to suffer. And, and, and there are some things that you can't recover from. Right? What, what are you going to do in those defining moments? Maybe you were faced with, a, with this life-altering decision, right? If you go left, something's going to happen. If you go right, something's going to happen. And it's, if you do nothing, you're not sure what's going to happen. And sometimes the unknown of those major decisions can be paralyzing. Right? You're, you're at the, oh, what do I do in this moment? You can't guarantee how it's going to turn out. Or maybe you had the chance to do something for somebody else. Maybe it was a moment in your life where you go, listen, I... I think I need to say something to this person here. I need to, I need to intervene here. Or I need to take, take this opportunity to tell them what I'm seeing or what I know. And it could be a defining moment for them, but you're participating in it. right? Should I offer my help? Should I, should I get involved here? Odds are that maybe some of you in this room are facing defining moments right now. There's stuff going on in your life and you go, yeah, I... I'm, I'm kind of living that right now. I didn't know if you were talking about that tonight, but I'm certainly living that. We need to make the most of them. On June 2nd, 1925, a guy by the name of Wally had a headache. And he took a day off from work. And another guy filled his spot, and his name was Lou. <laughs> Wally never got his job back. And Wally was fine at his job, but Lou made the most of his opportunity. See, baseball fans will recognize the name Lou Gehrig as the Iron Horse, and Wally Pipp was the first baseman for the New York Yankees, but Lou Gehrig went on to play 2,130 consecutive games and set the record for most games played in a row, which the record will probably never be broken because Lou was ready for that moment, that opportunity. Now, there's a little bit of how the story started, but however it started, Lou didn't come out of the lineup, and he played for all those times. Uh, the... I want to give a little shout out just for a moment. The Robbinsville High School soccer team was playing uh, today. My son, Ethan, who plays drums, he's on that, on that team. And today they played at 3 o'clock for the state championship for, the, uh, for soccer. And uh, the game went into overtime, 1-1. And after the end of the first overtime, still 1-1. Into the second overtime, still 1-1. So it went to penalty kicks. If you know how that works, five players from each team take penalty shots, and whoever gets the most out of those wins. Well, Robbinsville's goalie blocked the first shot from the other team. And Robbinsville made theirs. They were up 1-0, and then they each made it. So now there's 2-1, and then it was 3-2, and then Robbinsville made it, so it was 4-3. Four, 
4-2, and the other team had a chance to make it, but that team needed to make that or else they were out. And our goalie lost the shot. Robinsville won the state championship today, so let's give it up for the Robinsville soccer team. Absolutely amazing. But I want to give a shout out to the goalie. His name is Ronit. Ronit is awesome. And a great kid. But that was a moment as a senior in a state championship game when all the attention, and most of the games, if you watch soccer, for a lot of, for good teams, the goalie doesn't do a whole lot. Just sits there. But Ronit had to be ready for his moments. And Ronit didn't block those shots today because he decided to get ready. But Nick was, where's Nick? He was reminding of the times when Ron, Nick was practicing with him, throwing his nose, was also going, there's throwing and practicing with him over and over and over again. Hey, Winston Churchill has a quote. He famously said this, to each there comes in their lifetime a special moment when they are figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered the chance to do a very special thing unique to them and fitted for their talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds them unprepared or unqualified for that which could have been their finest hour. See, the scriptures are filled with examples of people who made the most of their defining moments. Right? A shepherd boy named David defeated a giant named Goliath. And a young Jewish girl named Esther found herself queen and used her voice to save her her defining moment. And a nobody from a small family named Gideon took on an army of beyond number. It's said too many to count, like the sands, uh, grains of sand on the seashore with an army of 300. And one victory. A young girl named Mary encountered an angel and was willing to endure public shame and be the mother to a child who would become the savior of the world. It was a moment. There were these moments that came to each one of them, and they met the moment. They were ready for that moment. I could go on and on. The book, the Bible you're holding, right? It's full of stories like this of people who were ready in the moment. There will be more of those types of moments for you in your life. You may have had some that you can look back on and you will still have more of them. And the question is this, will you be ready when your moment comes? When, your define, when a defining moment comes Will you be ready? Because here's the thing about defining moments. Rarely do we get a heads up that they're coming. You don't always get a big sign saying, hey, just so you know, tomorrow at 7, you're going to have a defining moment. Right. You're going to experience this opportunity where this door is going to open, where this thing is going to happen that's going to challenge you like you've never been challenged before. Or you're going to have a decision before you that you have never made before and you don't even know how to make. You don't know when they're going to come. You may anticipate a little bit, have an idea that something is coming. You may not. Honestly, you may be in a defining moment and not even know it till years later. You might not even know it till you look back and go, I thought that was a normal moment. But that led to this, which led to this, which led to this. That was the defining moment. I just didn't even know it. Not only do we not know when they're going to come, we don't know what they're going to require of us. We have no idea what defining moments will require of us. They're not like other moments. You may need patience to wait in your defining moment, or you may need courage to go. You don't know. You don't know in advance what you're going to need in that moment. You don't know if you're going to need the strength to step up or the humility to step down. 
You don't know if you're going to need to fight for justice or if you're going to need to fight for grace. You may need to work to understand or you may need to work to help others understand. Each moment requires something unique, which is why defining moments are so powerful. They're unique and not like other moments. They're different qualitatively. So here's the good news. Ready? I got good news for you. You don't know when they're coming, and you don't know what they're going to require of you. Good luck. Go get them. Right? That's it. You don't know. You don't know what? Don't know when. So, we'll pray? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Here's the good news. The mic's fixed? That's, that's good news. The good news is my mic is fixed. Are you sure? Yes. We're sure. All right. We'll pause. Listen, now the message is going to get good. It's like two hands. Here we go. It's coming back. All right. Here we go. So here's the good news. The Spirit of God empowers you with whatever you need, whenever you need it. The Spirit of God will empower you with the strength you need, whenever you need it, and whatever you need. Do you understand we don't have what it takes to meet those defining moments. If you walk through life in your own strength, you are going to be the person that it said, man, they had their chance, but they missed it. Nobody will, nobody will know that story because you won't have written it because you weren't ready for it. But Spirit of God, God says, hey, if you trust in me, I will give you new strength. Listen, you're going to soar when your moment comes. If you trust in me, when your moment comes, you will soar on wings like eagles. Eagles can reach uh, the height of between 10,000 and 20,000 feet above sea level. That's high. For reference, um, the Statue of Liberty is 300 feet tall. 300 feet tall. The Empire State Building is 1,400 feet tall. Empire State Building, 1,400 feet tall. Eagles, 10 to 20,000 feet. And not only that, they have the eyesight at that level to perceive animals moving on the ground. Bananas. Come on, right? That's crazy. That's crazy. See, here's the thing. When you trust in God, you will have strength to meet the moment with supernatural power and vision. You will be able to not only rise, you will go as high as needed. There will be no moment too big for you. There will be nothing that you cannot ascend to. God didn't say, hey, you're going to fly like, a, you know, like maybe a pigeon. You will soar on wings like pigeons, right? You will get all the way up to the telephone wires. If you're, if you, right? If you are lucky, you will climb onto a two-story house, right? You can poop on somebody's windshield. That's what you're going to get. You're going to have the power for that. No, he says you will soar on wings like eagles. You will have whatever it takes to meet the moment, no matter how big. And not only that, when you are there, you will have vision to see with crystal clarity what's going on. It's a promise. A promise. You don't have that. You, I don't care how good your eyesight is. On how, how skilled you are. I don't care how much you prepare because you don't know what that moment will ask of you. You don't know when it's going to come. You cannot manage defining moments in your own strength. They will overwhelm you every time, catch you in the air. But God knows what you need, when you're going to need it. Isn't that an awesome promise? Yes. Come on. Yes. How good is God? 
But you can have the peace that when your defining moments come, you'll be ready. You'll be ready for it. He says, all you have to do is trust me. And I'll take care of the rest. Just trust me. So the question then is, what does it really mean to trust God? If that's the case, if that's the condition, let's turn our attention there to the condition because we know what the promise is. We've just defined the promise. So what's the condition? The condition is if you trust me. What does it mean to trust God? What does that look like in our real lives? What does putting our trust in God look like? So let's make it practical. Um, there's a famous saying, uh, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Anybody ever hear that? Yeah. yeah you just got to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Right? So this is pretty simple, really. It's not complicated. If you want to soar, when the opportunity of a lifetime comes to you, you're going to need to recognize it and know what to do with it. You're going to need to have eyes to know when that moment is there. And this is how it works. You just have to trust God with every opportunity. That's it. How do you recognize the big ones? You just trust God in every opportunity. No matter how big or small. You want to trust God in defining opportunities. You trust him in everyone. Sometimes we misread opportunities. Right? We can hope for the best, but it, it wasn't what we thought. Like We're lousy at discerning opportunities on our own strength. Right? There was a man who was on a plane uh, flying back, hoping for some rest. He's tired after a long conference. He gets on the plane, he's just hoping to sleep. Um, and as he's sitting there in an empty seat next to him, a woman gets on and she's kind of attractive. And he's like, maybe I won't sleep. And he's just sort of, you know, all right. So he's, he's just, you know, a little, you know, not wanting to be too forward. He smiles at her, right? And she smiles back. And throughout the flight, he tries to be polite and kind and extra helpful, you know, and give her, yeah, I'll pass your, your soda for you, whatever you are, drink, all that kind of stuff. And didn't want to come on too strongly. Just continue to smile at her, you know, periodically through the flight. And um, as, the, as the flight landed, uh, the woman just said to him, I, I think you should come see me. And he goes, oh, oh, uh, are you single? And she goes, no, no, I'm, I'm a dentist. <laughs> we don't know what opportunities look like all the time. We can misread them really, really, really bad. Um, we're just lousy judges. And so here's the thing. I just need to say, God, in every opportunity, give me eyes for this. I don't want to just say, God, I welcome you in only when I think this matters. But I need to welcome God in at every level, at every time. We're terrible at this. And this is why people make so many bad decisions. Because we try and do it in our own strength and save God for the big ones. But we don't know what the big ones are. Again, we might miss it. So, we need to invite God into every opportunity. We don't, have to, we don't have to be in the dark. God knows everything. We can't wait for the job of a lifetime to, to show up while we're just ignoring all the small doors along the way because that small door might be the door that leads to the big door. You don't know it. If we don't look to God for wisdom in the little opportunities, we won't know how to find him in the big ones. So here's, the, here's what it looks like. Just trust God in everything. And he guarantees you won't miss anything. Just trust me in everything. And you won't miss me in anything. Invite God to guide every single step and you won't miss a single step. And if you want to soar when the greatest challenge of your life presents itself, you're going to need to know how to let God guard and guide you. The only way you can do that is by trusting God with every challenge. Every time you come up to something and you go, man, this is hard. This is hard. This feels big. This is intimidating. 
God, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do at this moment. This is, a, this is complicated. Or maybe there's a loss and you go, God, this is wrecking me. I'm, I'm disoriented. I don't know what to do. In those moments, if you want to know how to find God in those moments, you've got to look for God in every challenge. If you won't look to God for help in the little things, because you say, no, God, I got this one. I'll, again, I'll save you for the big things. I don't need your help on this one. I'll call you when there's a real problem. And it sounds like you're being helpful. It does. It's a, you're helping God out. You're just not, you know, you're leaving him for everybody else. You, God, I'll, I'll, I'll call you when it gets serious. You're not being helpful. You're just being prideful. God cares about all the details of your life. And it's not always just about overcoming them. But it's about learning to look to him all the time. We are training ourselves. The goalie didn't get ready in that moment. It's all that other stuff. We're training ourselves to, to listen for God, to find God, to hear from God, to know how to recognize him in our challenges, in our obstacles, in our tragedies, and in our losses. God, how am I ready for when that day comes? Because we don't know when that day comes. We don't know what's going to happen. God cares about all the details of your life. What may seem like a small challenge may actually be a storm bigger than you ever imagined. You may think this is something small. I got it. And absolutely destroys you because you didn't know what was on the other side of that door. You thought this looked like all the other doors and I got this one. It turned into a disaster. Because you overestimated your own abilities. The enemy rarely shows his hand. He's a master of disguise. And he will make the most threats to our well-being seem like nothing. Seem like something you go, I got this one. This is no big deal. I don't need God for this one. And it's the thing that has been designed to take you down. Proverbs 7 tells the story of a young man who aimlessly wanders down a side street and meets a promiscuous, immoral woman. And she seduces him, and we're told it ends up costing him his life. He was just walking down the road. But he shouldn't have been there. But he said, you know, it's no big deal. Overestimate his own ability and underestimate the threat. We must be careful not to overestimate our own strength while underestimating the strategies of our enemy. We need to trust God in the smallest challenges. And he can guarantee that he will guard and guide us through everyone. My mom is preaching a message uh, tomorrow about grief and loss. About her story, about what's happened in our family and you know, my dad passing and all those things. And she's telling it through the story of Job. And there's a line in the story of Job, if you know the story of Job, is a guy who's really wealthy, honorable, like best guy in the world. You know, he's just a good dude, wealthy. And the scriptures tell us that there came a day in Job's life when everything fell apart. In a single day, he lost his family, his wealth, almost everything taken from him. And mom's message is that there comes a day. And we rarely know when that day comes. And the only day that you, only way that you can not just survive, but overcome and walk through those days victorious is if you are ready in advance. We can't wait for that day to come to learn how to let God carry us through that. We have to already be having God carry us. In that moment, we can certainly call on God and he will save us and rescue us in that moment. If we call out, you know, like in foxholes, right? No, no, no atheists in foxholes. Like if something's going on, you call on God, he will come and rescue you. But that's not victory. That's just rescue. That's just survival. God can lift you out of that. But if you want to soar, 
If you want to rise up to meet the challenge of your greatest moment, then that happens before it happens. That happens now. We have to trust God and invite God to help us with everything. And we know that we won't be harmed by anything. Those things will come, but they will not conquer us. Jesus taught us this simple truth. He says, listen, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the big things. And we can take that language and tweak it a little bit for our message tonight and not do any harm to the text. We can just say this, if we trust God in the little things, we will trust him in the big things. If we will trust God in the little things, we will trust him in the big things. And then he will give us new strength and we will soar in wings like eagles. And if, if we will be strong in spirit, then we will soar in the spirit. Moments will come perhaps when you least expect it. Perhaps you won't even be aware of it while you're in it. And there's no cramming for moments like that. You can't hurry up and get ready. As we choose to put our trust in God today, let me just tell you, get your wings ready. You will be soaring at 20,000 feet when that moment comes. That's a promise from a guy who says, yeah, I, I held the ocean. I know the names of all the stars, right? I spoke the world into being, right? I, I took the heavens and made a tent out of it. You know, I, that's, yeah, I, nobody's ever given me advice on anything. <laughs> Um, God's got you. And he knows when your moments are coming. He says, listen, I will make sure you are ready for whatever comes to start trusting me now, today, in everything. No matter how small, you just come now. And I got you in no, no matter how big. That's our promise. So I'd like to pray for you. So if you just bow your heads and close your eyes, invite the band to come back on up for a moment. Lord, we thank you that you, who know all things and have power over all things, are willing to share that with us. You share your power with us. You know we are weak and limited. Lord, you, you, you're very clear. We're grass. Lord, we're here today, gone tomorrow. We're not powerful. We're not strong. You may have some, some beauty, but God, you know how fragile we are. Yet, yet, you promise to empower us through your spirit, to make us strong in your spirit, that you will give us new strength, that even if we're getting tired and weary and worn out from all that's going on, because that's just what we are, we're fragile, and we get tired and we wear out. And God, you promised that in our weariness, if we will trust you, we will find, Lord, a new strength. Lord, sometimes we don't think we have strength even get five feet off the ground, let alone 20,000 feet. Yet you say, if we trust in you, you will lift us up on wings like eagles. So Lord, we ask you to help us. And if you're here, you've never accepted God's love as we're praying. If you've never accepted his promise to help you and you want to accept that today, technology, you don't have what it takes to meet the demands of this life. That's become abundantly clear to you in your life that all, even on your best days, your best attempts, you just... You're not sufficient. And you'd like to place your trust in a God who says, I got everything you need and more. I invite you just to raise your hand right now as a way of saying, God, I know I need you. Help me put my trust in you. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? God, you see our hands. God, look around. You see our hands. Lord, come to us in this moment, in our weakness in our honesty, in our vulnerability, Lord. You meet us here not to be
beat us up, Lord, but to lift us up. You are the lifter of our head. God, you tell us that you love us. You just want us to receive good from you. You ask us just to trust you. That's it. You don't ask us to be perfect and prove anything to you. Just to trust you. So God, collectively, we put our trust in you. God, I thank you for this great promise. Lord, and for those who are responding, Lord, you see it. Your promise is for us. We receive that. And Lord, you see us. You know we need your help. We have, we're going to face moments that the potential to change our future. So as we're also praying, if, if you're here and you're facing a defining moment right now, perhaps that's just before you, you or you, you sense something is coming, and you know you need God. You don't have what it's going to take, and you want that new strength to meet the moment. Would you just raise your hand and say, God, I'm going to need your strength for what I'm about to face. God, look around and see our hands, God. Look around and see our hands, God. You know us. Help us, God. You promised that you're going to lift us up, Lord, so we call on your promise. We say, God, help us. We acknowledge we need you, Lord. We pray for 20,000-foot views, for supernatural perspective, for uncommon courage, for unconditional love, for whatever the moment demands of us, God, you will provide it. May we find that we are strong in your spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you. We cannot do this on our own. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, fill us. Lord, we put our trust in you. We're not going to try and dig deeper into ourselves and muscle up in our own strength, God. It's just not going to be sufficient. Lord, would we just come and be honest with you and say, I put all my trust in you. Help. We're going to sing this song in a moment, but I want to close with this prayer. The Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 15. He prays this and to pray it over us today. I pray that God, the source of hope, the source of hope, the one who makes the promise that gives hope, I pray that God will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. That you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And may God, who gives us his peace, be with us all the time. In the littlest things, may we look to you and know that you're there. No matter how small or how big the challenge may seem, no matter how, how just totally life-changing the decision feels that sits in front of us, no matter what opportunities we're facing, no matter what the moment demands, God, you are with us. Thank you. You are so, so good. Your promise is amazing. We give you all the praise. It's in your good name we pray. Amen.